morning, everybody. My name's Penny Houston from New South Wales DPI, and today I'll be having a chat to the team at Chickpea Breeding Australia, who are based at Tamworth and have a wonderful new facility up there that we're going to get a bit of a rundown on, along with some of the projects and things they're working on at the moment. So we have quite a cast this morning. We have Christy Hobson. She's the technical specialist and heads up Chickpea Breeding Australia, and she's a breeder as well. And then we've got uh, Asan Asif, and he is assistant chickpea breeder. Elizabeth Bell, another assistant chickpea breeder. Good to know we've got lots of breeders there. And Glenn Lendon, he's the operation manager with Chickpea Breeding Australia. So morning, everybody. How are we all today? Morning, Penny. Well, thanks. Yeah. Hi, Penny. Hi, Christine. Morning. morning, Elizabeth. Hey, Asan. Radio. So. Um, <laughs> Everybody's here. It's a bit like um, the Brady Bunch with all these faces in front of me. But first of all, I'll just speak to Christy. So um, we've got the Chickpea Breeding Australia CBA precinct, as it is now based at Tamworth, and it's a huge investment between New South Wales DPI and GRDC. Christy, do you want to tell us a little bit about it, please? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's been an incredible opportunity for the chickpea breeding team here at Tamworth. So I guess how we got to this point was that, yeah, the Pulse Breeding Australia was the previous, I guess, umbrella that the chickpea breeding program was operating under. And that was a very successful program that ran from 2006 to 2000 and early 2020. And prior to that, New South Wales DPI has had a long running history of chickpea breeding since the, since the 70s. But I guess during that phase of PBA, which included, you know, a range of pulse crops, I guess that sort of one size fits all in terms of the PBA arrangement didn't quite work anymore. So I guess there was this quite extensive review process with New South Wales DPI and GRDC to really remove all the sort of, you know, if you had to operate within this certain uh, level, what if you took it all off, what would the breeding program look like? So an incredible opportunity, which resulted in uh, increased investment, increased capacity, and a real opportunity to address the bottlenecks that the program was was operating under and one of those major ones was the facilities that we had here at Tamworth where the core breeding activities are taking place so yeah so that sort of started you know a lot of planning a lot of meetings with architect project managers and that's been going on for a number of years but to, to sort of finally see the facility in front of us and slowly we're starting to move things into the new glass houses and poly house we've got a, a you know a big seed store with that alone will uh, create incredible efficiencies for the program and more space for our seed preparation and you know as we sort of move into more modern approaches to breeding in terms of genomic selection obviously that dramatically changes the the nuts and bolts of the breeding program and and now we've got the facility we'll really be able to to ramp up some of those um, modern breeding approaches that are really going to sort of transform the way we and the timeframes that we can deliver varieties to, to Australian grain growers. It's certainly an impressive facility. I had the uh, opportunity to have a look around it a few weeks ago and it is huge and it is, it's, um, yeah, it's a very nice looking building. So, um, yeah, well done to all of you to, to help design it and get it to where it is today. But so what does this new facility mean for growers? Like, um, I know when I was there, you, you and Glenn were talking about how many lines or that kind of thing you could process now compared to what you used to be able to do in your old facility. Can you go into a bit of that for us, please, Christy? Yeah, sure. So I guess if we look at the size of the program back in 2019, which was that last year of PBA, 
we we probably had about 1500 to 2000 entries nationally so that includes both the desis and the and the coolies and that was our germplasm that aimed to service the areas that we're breeding for from central queensland all the way through southern queensland the northern new south wales which is obviously our established chickpea growing areas and, and certainly the largest chickpea production areas in australia but now we've got a much more focused approach now on established uh, expansion areas as well so coming down into central southern new south wales those mallee areas of victoria and south australia as well as the medium rainfall areas and across into to wa so yeah so i guess previously we were kind of trying to service and, and identify the 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 lines with the most potential varieties out of a, a set of say 2,000 lines. This year we're we're just under 6,000 entries in yield testing. So you can see that's already a threefold increase in the numbers of, of the germplasm that's coming through. So that's a substantial size in terms of just the team, you know, preparing and, and getting that material in the ground. We've also been able to, I guess, provide more security to the breeding program by having a home site, which we have all our material that's in yield testing, regardless of where it's targeted for over at Narrabri and this gives us a really good seed source and that creates a lot of efficiencies. We get to see all that material in, in one spot. So this year there's over 9,600 yield plots at Narrabri alone and so that's a really big site and yeah that's more headers going and, and <laughs> days and days of sowing but yeah you can think you can actually do so much more when you've really been able to ramp up the program and get those numbers moving through the program. Yeah, I guess the well, other... was... Sorry you continue Christy sorry. Yeah, no, so I guess that in itself is one is one step, but, you know, it's having the, the capacity to introduce and look at other traits as well is probably the other the other one where, you know, as a breeding program, you've always got a very long list of, of, of wish and key objectives that you might hear from growers and things, and then you've sort of got to obviously prioritise because there's always, you know, a limit on the amount of dollars that can go into the breeding investment. So you've got to prioritise what you can do, but... We've certainly been able to increase that list under the CBA um, investment that we've had from New South Wales DPI and GRDC. Yeah, and was that investment like $30 million? Is that about the number? Yeah, that's the total number, and that that includes the, the infrastructure that we've we've obviously chewed quite heavily into with, with these new buildings, but it also allows us to buy capital and technologies that will advance the program. So we have actually been able to um, procure a new harvester. I know Glenn spends a lot of time doing exchange rates and trying to work out what we can get for our dollars but you know even just logistical equipment around seed graders and you know freeze dryers for handling plant tissue that comes out of the glass house so that in itself was quite a unique and really useful component of this investment was that we could upgrade and get that technology into the program because when you do ramp up to those plots, what system that used to work when you ran 2,000 lines probably doesn't work when you're running that sort of 6,000 and, and getting the scale that we have across the country. So there certainly has been growing pain and, and trying to work through those efficiencies and, and looking how we can get you know, automation into our processes. That's been real, really key. But yeah, it's, it's, we're still learning and um, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to, to building and yeah, improving what we do each year. Christy, with uh, with all these lines you've got to process now, the 6,000 lines you've been talking about, I'm assuming you're going to need um, a few more bodies on the ground and, and just wondering, was capacity, people capacity part of this project? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, as you've already heard, you know, for quite some time it was, it was me as the chickpea breeder and it's been fantastic to have Asan and Elizabeth join the team because yeah obviously that's that's a lot of a lot more eyes that we need to to cover the material and make sure we're making improvements with the germplasm but yeah in the in the PBA days we were probably a team of five here at Tamworth 
and now we're a team of 12. So a lot more technical capacity, even Glenn's role, that's been fantastic in terms of yeah, procuring, uh, managing the commercialization, which I'm sure he'll go into a little bit more later in, the, in our discussion. So yeah, so more technical capacity in the glass houses as well, because again, if you expand your capacity in terms of pots and crossing blocks and those sorts of things, you still need bodies in there and, and working continuously to, to, to build that germplasm up. Yeah, so lots of sets of eyes to have a look across all these things. But um, so down to the nitty-gritty, what kind of traits are you looking at and hoping to deliver on in, in the near future? Yeah, well, I think our, our good friend in the disease space with chickpea obviously keeps us pretty well entertained and certainly Ascochyta blight has produced more and more challenges each year as we see the increase of aggressive isolates around the country. So Ascochyta blight does remain you know, a major focus for the program and we've got some new facilities now that allow us to screen really effectively high throughput and really, yes, get rid of those passengers in the program very early on. And so we're not wasting resources on material that doesn't fit that requirement. Phytophthora root rot is a, still a very, very important trait for the program, particularly in northern New South Wales and southern Queensland. And we certainly understand the, the significance that genetic resistance has in that trait where there's very little management options for growers. You know, we're still, we've actually, I guess, added herbicide tolerance into the program probably for about the last four or five years. But we're getting very close to the pointy end there of delivering something to growers. There's obviously quite a lot of reg regulatory processes there with registration and working with the industry around that. But yeah, so that's, I guess, another uh, feather to the bow in terms of the chickpea toolkit and weed management. Working with rotations is a really key part that we feel like the herbicide tolerance side of the program will allow growers to address some of those issues more effectively. The general agronomic traits that we're, we, you know, we're sort of wanting to maintain around those sort of plant height and harvestability. We've got some nice material around early vigour and that's probably more of a more of a trait of benefit to the more cooler winter areas. So down south in New South Wales and Victoria, South Australia and WA. So there's, I guess there's those sort of areas of traits that we've sort of been working on for the uh, established areas, but we've now, with our increased investment, been able to have a much more renewed focus on traits that are really being tricky to overcome for expansion areas. So ASAM's done some really good work at developing and implementing hydroponic screening for aluminium tolerance. So characterising our germplasm there, because we do see differences in how the plants grow within our program on those neutral to low pH soils. And in terms of chilling tolerance, it's a trait we really recognise as being very important. But we've been, I guess, on the fringes of this trait for quite some time. Some of the listeners may be aware of, you know, varieties such as Rapali and Sonali that came out in the early 2000s that had some improvements. And I guess what we've really found is that the level of chilling that we have in the program is really not adequate enough to, to give the gains that growers are looking for. So that's where we look to the pre-breeding investments in this space. And there's one quite large investment being led out of CSIRO in WA with Jens Berger, where they're looking for chilling tolerance within the wild relative of chickpea. And sounds like that's really coming along quite promising. So um, I guess a little bit longer time frame to when we can actually deliver that to growers. But the fact that there's that work happening and we're very well integrated with that work, looking to get that germplasm as quick as we can into the program and start crossing and, and selecting. We hope to, yeah, to really get some runs on the board in that space in the coming sort of five to 10 years. Excellent. So Christy, do you think that this new facility will help speed up the delivery time of such traits as chilling tolerance and the herbicide stuff to growers? Yeah, absolutely. One of the key, I guess, features of the new facility is 
far red lighting that we've been able to put in. So UWA, Janine Crozer's team over there have done some excellent work around accelerating chickpea cycling in controlled environments and the use of far red lighting. So we've got a fantastic protocol that we can adopt. We've been able to, to get the lights that really work to accelerate that reproductive cycling. So rather than sort of moseling along with these chickpeas that grow really tall in our unheated and, and no light, artificial light facilities, we've now got, yeah, these fantastic lights, really good temperature control. So we should be able to move up to four to six generations every year. So you can see that immediately that's going to have a huge impact on from the time we do a cross to when we have a fixed line, which is generally four to five generations later. So yeah, it's going to be really transformational in terms of how long from when we cross something to when we have something ready to hit hit the field and start evaluating for yield. The facilities will also, as I alluded to with Ascochyta blight, make much better selection decisions early on. So the material that actually gets to the field is going to be a far better quality and more likely to be able to deliver what we want. And the facilities allow us to provide the logistics that you need to in a genomic selection approach for breeding. So speeding up that time from cross to cross is really going to really kick along our genetic game. So there's so much that I could cover, but yeah, expect big things. We've got high hopes and um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about the, about, yeah, having these facilities now at our fingertips and um, what impact it will have for chickpea breeding in Australia. Yeah, no, they certainly are state of the art. And Have you got anything up your sleeve, Christy? Is there any varieties about to be released in the next couple of years you could talk about yet or are we a few years away from one? I know Captain was released, I think, last year and it's been, you know, pretty highly highly thought of in, in the industry to date. Yeah, yeah, no, we've got we've got two that we're trying to decide between to try and to provide growers with a an improved resistance in the phytophthora root rot space. So yeah, so that will be reducing the risk in high phytophthora root rot prone soils, I guess. Yeah, so that potentially could be two years from growers. So they're, you know, in their final sort of stage of multiplication in the program. So yeah, their real main claim to claim will be that fire top to root rot resistance. You won't necessarily see the yield the yield benefits you've got in Captain, but for those high risk soils, we think they've definitely got a role. And we're also slaving away quite hard on this herbicide tolerance trait. So yeah, we're in the second year of the work that has to happen to get the label label regulatory side of things. But yeah, that should come along quite soon in the next couple of years as well. And we've put that trait in a whole range of different backgrounds. So there was a Sardi GRDC investment that identified herbicide tolerance and we've been incorporating, then that's the group B or what was the group B now, group two chemistry. So looking at products that are already registered in lentils and faba bean and intercept product. And so, yeah, so we're quite keen to deliver that. And that will be, in a, you know, varieties sort of packaged up for adaptation to suitable regions. So, um, you know, you can imagine you'll have sort of a, a Drummond with the trait, a Captain with the trait, plus incorporating, you know, these improvements in Ascochyta blight resistance that we're also working really hard at and acknowledge that, you know, I think our most, you know, our best we've got at the moment in the varieties is an MS. So we're, we're looking to really improve on that too. But, so, yeah, that HT program is really running alongside now our conventional program. Yeah, well, that's fantastic because I know that, um, you know, herbicide residues or whatever is such a huge issue for growers and especially with pulse crops where you mightn't even see some of the issues till halfway through the season and stuff like that. But you alluded to a bit of Asan's work into Phytophthora. So we might we might go over to him now and just ask him a little bit about what work he's doing in um, Phytophthora root rot and in aluminium tolerance and um, if there's some good material out there that's about to hit the shelves like um, Christy alluded to. Thanks, Asan. Hi. 
Uh, yes, as Agnieszki mentioned, Phytophthora root rot is uh, one of the major soil point diseases of chickpea in northern New South Wales and southern Queensland. And under the conducive conditions, farmer could lose 50 to 70% yield due to this loss. And currently, growers, they have very limited option to control this disease. So here at CBA, we have developed a hydroponics method to screen and select the new disease resistance lines in a shorter time period. This method is very reliable than the glasshouse-based screening and quicker than the field screening. And we are pretty hopeful that a new feature will have a new cultivars to uh, improve phytophthora resistance for the grower. And as Christy mentioned, that in our recent uh, screening trials, there were a few lines that performed really better than the current varieties like CBA captains, Yorker, Seamers. And we're pretty hopeful that they will perform better in, in, in field conditions as well. The second trait that we have been working on is the aluminum tolerance or the low pH tolerance. Soil acidity is a major issue to the chickpea production in the Western Australia. Different surveys report shows that more than 70% of surface soil and almost half of the subsurface soils are below the appropriate pH level in WA. So you can imagine that is a huge problem in WA. And it's a main problem for the pulses, especially the chickpea expansion in the WA. So in agriculture, when we talk about the low pH or the acidic soil, we talk about soils with a pH less than 5.5. So under these soil conditions, there are numerous abiotic stresses, and chief among those stresses is the aluminium toxicity, which significantly inhibits the root growth, elongation, and leading to the less water and the nutrient uptake. The only options growers got at the moment is a lime application, but it's, it's not very economically physical, uh, visible. So we have been using a high-throughput hydroponics uh, method to screen our advanced material for the aluminum problem. And in our recent screening, we found some lines that performed really better. And we are hoping that in near future, we'll have some lines for the growers uh, that will have much better tolerance compared to the current varieties. So that's what we are working on at the moment. Well, that sounds fantastic, Asan, because um, I know there's been other work being done by New South Wales DPI about um, acid-tolerant rhizobia strains as well, and I think that's very close to release. So that, you know, paired with the better with aluminium, high levels of aluminium will certainly help growers out, especially those in Western Australia and Southern New South Wales and, and in Victoria as well. But um, we might just move on to Elizabeth now. She's also um, assistant breeder. And Elizabeth, I think you've been working more uh, in the field on Phytophthora and Ascochyta. Can you tell us why these field screenings are important, please? Yeah, of course. Um, so we have Tamworth and Alhosham Ascochyta Blacks uh, field screening and for the phytophthora we have a nursery over in breezer so we put all our germaplasm out in these fields and expose it to the disease so this gives us you know a good idea of how these lines might perform and we really use the scores that we get off these field nurseries to guide what gets kept and put through continue on in the uh, germplasm stream and what you know doesn't have the attributes that we're looking for and can get, uh, I guess, kicked off and not uh, use up any more resources in that space. Right. So what's what's the spread of these trials, Elizabeth? Is it just New South Wales? Are they all over Australia or where, where are uh, we at? So our, yeah, our yield evaluation is across the country. So we're a national breeding program. Uh, we are based here in Tamworth and our home site is at Narrabri. But we have this year, I believe it's 26 trial site locations 
Uh, so five of these are in Queensland, eight in southern and north New South Wales, uh, four in Victoria, three in South Australia and six in WA. So as you can see, we're sort of um, honing in on those traditional areas, but also seeing what we can do in those expansion locations. Yeah, righto. Well, that's excellent. There certainly seems to be a fair bit happening in WA where I know they've been trying quite hard to find an um, alternative pulse crop for some time. Just might go back to Christy for one second, see if you've got anything to add there. And if you could just give us a quick update on what's happening in Kabuli world, please. Yeah, well, Elizabeth has um, sort of taken responsibility of the, the Kabuli program. But yeah, it's definitely a much smaller component of the program. You know, we're at least probably 80, 85% DESI effort. So the Kabulis, you know, are established in the sort of South Australian, Victorian areas particularly. And the sort of the biggest need there is an improvement in ascochyta blight resistance. So that really is the focus for the program at the moment is to deliver a, a Kabuli variety. I think we're probably running ahead in the small and medium seed size classes, the large ascochyta blight variety with you know with the resistance improvement over magnus is is quite a, a tricky challenge we tend to get our best best improvements in the medium and the smalls and then you know something like with magnus's seed size improvement is they're kind of the rare gems in the kabuli breeding effort but that's certainly our our main aim at this point to sort of deliver a variety that'll provide that major improvement for those established Kabuli areas. There is some material kicking around with, with some improvements in the Phytophthora root rot space in the Kabuli side of things, but they're quite far off and, and the Phytophthora root rot resistance has come from a wild chickpea and we've, you know, we're much further ahead in terms of incorporating that into a DESI background with, with good seed quality. So that trait in a DESI background, when you bring that into the Kabulis, you've got to do a number of back crosses effectively to recover the Kabuli quality and to deliver that that's suitable and meets their use of market is a few crossing cycles to come. You're right. Well, good, good luck with that to both you and uh, Elizabeth Christie. And we might just move on to Glenn now. He's the operation manager, like we mentioned before. And um, Captain got released last year on a larger scale and was quite well received. Any comments about how it performed, what the buyers thought, what it was like with harvestability, just any general comments on the variety? I think we're really pleased with how the variety's been adopted by, by growers and the feedback that we've we've received. Yeah, so in, in terms of harvestability, ever since I started, I started back in 2019 and Captain was coming through the system. Christy's always spoken about the harvestability uh, benefits of Captain being a, you know, a more rec plant type. And Growers have given us feedback that, yeah, they're seeing that in the field. So that's that's really pleasing. So, you know, we've had comments from, you know, up in Queensland, New South Wales, you know, over to WA that, yeah, they're seeing the, they're seeing the harvestability advantages over the current commercial chickpea varieties that they're, that they're growing. You know, CBA Captain was trialled for a long time in the MVT system before it was released. And so there's a, there's a lot of data out there that will show its yield advantages over varieties like Hattrick. Uh, and the you know the southern the southern southern desi uh, desi grown um, varieties as well you know it's it's broadly adapted so you know there's been good uh, trial results over in Western Australia as well as in the the more traditional chickpea growing areas and all that all that data is available to growers on on um, MVT online. So Glenn, what do the buyers think? Like, what's the reception in the marketplace for the the grain? 
Yeah, it's, you know, the, the buyers that we've supplied samples to have been encouraged by, or, you know, encouraged by the grain grain quality. So, you know, they, they'll come back and say, yep, yeah, that's able to be co-mingled with the existing varieties. I suppose you, the release of CBA captain gives um, buyers the advantages that, you know, it's so broadly adapted that they can accumulate grain over a number of a number of locations. So they could accumulate, you know, CBA captain up in up in Queensland, into northern New in northern New South Wales, now down into southern New South Wales. So we've had a lot of seed go down into southern New South Wales, and then you know there's also CBA captain over in over in uh, Western Australia. So you know one of the things that's been said has you know like it's the first time in a long time that there's a you know there's a chickpea variety that can be grown you know over a number of locations and they buyers can accumulate from glenn can you just quickly remind us what the disease package is of that variety because i think it's one of the better ones on the market isn't it yeah so cba captain in the in the northern growing zone is uh has got a rating of ms for astrochytis so that's the same as sema uh, it's higher than PBA Hattrick, Drummond, and and Kyabra. In the southern growing regions, it's uh, it's got a provisional rating of MS for Astrocyta blight. So that's higher than say PBA Striker or Slasher or Neelan. And over in Western Australia, the the work is is done over there by. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's well, it's Robert. It's Robert Lee from the Centre of disease management over there and yeah they've assessed it for western australian conditions and it's not significantly different than any of the other varieties that they're they're growing over there so you know the uh the disease package is um good we also had some you know growers provide us feedback from commercial crops that although you know from a phytophora point of view that the variety performed really well like under um you know, similar to other commercial varieties when we had a bad, you know, phytophthora season last year with all the rain. Yeah, back to, to disease and Captain, I know that, um, you know, Kevin Moore thought it was really good with Ascochyta when he was looking at it a few years ago. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see it expand a bit when the chickpea price raises a little bit and, and um, yeah, get to see a bit more of it around the place in a year that's just not totally flooded like this year for most of us. But um, yeah, when, you know, like if you, you know, if growers want to see like, you know, photos from Kevin Moore's trial or like the photos that, you know, a son from his trials or, you know, Christie's work in the glasshouses or Elizabeth's work out in the field, they can, you know, we have a, you know, a Twitter, a Twitter account. So Chickpea Oz, and they can, you know, see some, some of the um, photos of the great work that the team's doing, some of the procurements that we've done. Yeah, those particular photos that you allude to from Kevin Moore, they were, it was like chalk and cheese when you when you see, you know, side by side of the varieties. And, and uh, yeah, so, you know, we've, uh, we're trying to document all the good work that, you know, the team's doing as well. Righto. Thanks, Glenn. I'd like to thank all of you today for your input. And it sounds like the new precinct at Tamworth is going to be really exciting, both for yourselves working in such a beautiful facility, but also for growers that we're going to get such quick turnaround to potential new varieties with great new attributes. So I'll say goodbye now and, and thank, thank you all again very much for your time. Bye. Thanks, Penny. Bye. Thanks, Penny. Bye. Thank you. Bye.